Friends, will you take a deep breath with me? And feel your feet on whatever ground you find yourself on or the ottoman that they rest on or in the slippers that you wear. Just let ourselves show up here in our bodies in this moment as we begin this sermon time together. It's All Saints Day. All Saints Day is November 1st, and mainline churches around the globe then celebrate All Saints Sunday as the first Sunday in November, and this year it is the same day, right? All Saints Sunday, All Saints Day, it is November 1st, All Saints Day. All Saints is the day when we name and remember those who have died, our saints. This particular All Saints 2020 is unique in all the ways that everything in 2020 is unique because everything is unfolding against the backdrop of a global health crisis, a pandemic that affects every aspect of our lives, which means we are here on All Saints Day having faced more collective loss than ever in our lifetime. In the U.S., more than 229,000 people have died of COVID and 1.2 million people worldwide in less than a year, right? And so today, this All Saints Sunday, we come to All Saints Sunday with a dense cloud of grief that surrounds us. So many have died. We have all lost so much, and it's happening in this time when we are unable to hold each other and gather together to celebrate or to gather together to grieve We are each carrying so much grief then just in our bodies. David Kessler, who's studied and written much about grief, he says, grief is a reflection of a connection that has been lost. Grief is the reflection of a connection that has been lost. And there's so much connection that we have lost. Therefore, we have so much grief. And so today, we are going to do the tender, necessary thing of being honest about our grief. And we all are grieving in our own ways. And though we may not choose a conversation on grief as like our favorite thing to talk about, even though that's true, we know, we know, we know that feelings are so important. We need to name the feelings to enable us to feel the feelings, and feeling the feelings is what is going to get us through these times that we are in. Yes? Yes. And so we will do this then by holding the grief of our saints on All Saints Day and the grief of pandemic, just holding it all in the conversation that we are having here in our fall sermon series. So we look at what Jesus does with grief. Okay, are you with me? Are you open to this conversation? Okay, let's take another deep breath, yeah? Yeah. So let's turn toward a moment in Jesus' life, a moment of grief. We're turning to John chapter 11. This is a chapter that's known as the raising of Lazarus. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus, though, there was the grieving for Lazarus who had died. So we're going to spend some time in this place of grief before Jesus intervenes. So we join Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany, these two sisters whose brother Lazarus has died. Word had been sent to Jesus days before Lazarus died, asking Jesus to come to see his good, good friend Lazarus and heal him. But Jesus dawdles. He does not go for a few more days. And so when he finally rolls into Bethany, Lazarus has been dead for four days. 
It's good to remember that John's gospel, which we're reading from, is more layered and symbolic than the other three gospels. Those three other gospels are are, um, called the synoptic gospels uh, because they read more like a biography or a historical account. So John is more metaphor. So there's a lot more going on in this text uh, than we'll get into today, but it's just, it's all there. But we don't have to dig far to notice the grief in this passage. So let's join these friends in their grief. Thanks to Matt Hill for reading today. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Since Bethany was only about two miles from Jerusalem, many people had come out to console Martha and Mary about their brother. When Martha had heard that Jesus was coming, she went in to meet him, while Mary stayed at home with the mourners. When she got to Jesus, Martha said, If you had been there, my brother would never have died. Yet even now, I am sure that God will give you whatever you ask. Your brother will rise again, Jesus assured her. Martha replied, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection, and I am life. Those who believe in me will live, even if they die. And those who are alive and believe in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Martha replied, I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, God's only begotten, the one who is coming into this world. When she said this, Martha went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here, asking for you, she whispered. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up and went to him. Jesus hadn't gotten to the village yet. He was at the place where Martha had met him. Those who were consoling Mary saw her get up and quickly followed Mary, thinking she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary got to Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, If you had been there, Lazarus would never have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the mourners as well, he was troubled in spirit. He moved moved by the deepest emotions. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Come and see, they said, and Jesus wept. The people in the crowd began to remark, see how much he loved him. So if we were to keep reading, Jesus then goes to Lazarus's tomb. He has them roll away the stone, calls Lazarus out, and like a mummy on Halloween, Lazarus emerges in his burial wrappings and is alive again. But before that, what we just read, we experience such human moments in Bethany with this family as they grieve. In this text, I want to call out the grief that we observe, okay? So first, you may already know, but Jewish practice was so rich and vulnerable and intentional when it came to grief. When your family members died, the whole community would mourn with you, and an intentional like, team of mourners would come and publicly mourn with and for you in your grief. And we're talking about like loud, expressive grief. Like they were there to do wailing and crying out as an audible physical expression of anguish that the family was feeling after someone had died. Can you imagine if we did that now? Your team of mourners would show up at your house to weep and wail and express grief. Man, I can imagine that. And it would be awkward, right? And yet, how cathartic and healing too. To be surrounded by people who are expressing what you are feeling, whether or not you have the capacity to express it out loud too. So in this text, we experience that communal grief that's there. 
We also feel Mary and Martha's grief, right? Did you notice how they say the same thing to Jesus? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. We feel the sting of their grief in that bitterness of their accusation, because what are they saying? They're saying, this is your fault, Jesus. You could have done something, right? We also hear from Martha, though, who quickly follows it up with incredible hope and faith. Yet even now, Jesus, I am sure that God will give you whatever you ask. I am sure. We also experience Jesus' grief in this text. It's perhaps the most provocative verse in the entire Bible, and it is just two words. John 11, 35, Jesus wept. That's the whole verse, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. We have been told in this text how this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, are dear friends of Jesus. It's believed that Jesus spent a lot of time with them in their home as a home base at many points during his ministry, enjoying their friendship and their hospitality. And so this is such a beautiful moment for us as folks who look to the example of Jesus to see that what he does, what we do, In the space of death and grief and loss, what do we do? We weep too. As we've said before, and we will keep saying it, and we see it here too, following Jesus means finding the ways to feel the things. Mary does, Martha does, even the mourners who came, they do. Jesus does too. But here's where things get tricky in real life today for us when it comes to feeling all the things. So in our lives, when there has been loss, when we are grieving, have you ever noticed how, I know I have, when I'm feeling the things, you know, I'm looking around and I'm noticing that not everyone else is grieving the way that I do. Definitely not like in a wider sense, like if you have lost a loved one, then you know the feeling of how like your world has stopped And it is completely confounding that the whole world has not stopped too. Like, how can they keep going as if nothing has happened? Don't they know what has been lost? Shouldn't they stop too? But it's even true with with those who are close to us, right? When we are grieving, those close to us, so for me, you know, Jason, my family, and my friends, you know, they may not be grieving and feeling all the things in the same way that I do. This was named well in a recent podcast uh, Brene Brown did with David Kessler in her podcast, Unlocking Us. It's actually mentioned, I've actually mentioned this interview previously too, so we'll be sure to link to it again, but it's just, it's so good. But they're talking about loss, and Brene Brown asks a specific question about the loss of a child, uh, and which Kessler has experienced. So she says this, she says, so my understanding is for bereaved parents, marriage can become very complex when, the, when you both lose a child, when there's a child loss. And I know the statistics for divorce are very high after bereavement of a child. Is that still true? Is that recent research as well? I know I've heard this too. So David Kessler answers and says this, I don't know if it's recent, but I'll tell you what isn't being asked in the research. Because I do not believe a child loss is what causes divorce. I believe judgment of each, other, of, I believe judgment of each other's grief causes divorce. Judgment of each other's grief causes divorce. Kessler goes on. Our judgment between two parents Uh, Two parents' judgment of how each other is grieving 
is what causes divorce. What happens is we all grieve differently, and this isn't just about child loss. This is like when mom dies or dad dies, so he's saying it's for all of our losses. We all believe if we love them, we're going to grieve exactly alike. If we all love dad, we're going to grieve exactly alike. If we love mom, we'll grieve exactly alike. Then if we don't grieve exactly alike, we look at each other and we begin to make up confabulation, stories that aren't true. We go, oh, I guess sis didn't love mom as much as I did. I guess my wife, my husband didn't love our child the way I did. Or we make judgments that they're moving on too quick or too slow, and we become isolated in our grief. That's David Kessler with Brene Brown. So for us, you see, this conversation isn't just about what Jesus does with grief. It's about what Jesus does with difference in grief. What Jesus does in the space between us when we grieve, we grieve differently and, that, and when that happens, we find that just so surprising and it's so hard to live through in real time. There is the space between us, our difference in grief. Is this familiar to you? I know I've experienced this. And Kessler is right. The grief, which is already so hard, becomes even more isolating because of difference in grief and the judgments that we make of others because of that difference. So we have to ask then, what does Jesus do with difference in grief? Well, I'm going to say three things. First, it's what we've already named. We see the example throughout the story of God that we feel the things. Naming the things enables us to feel the things which help us live through the things. And we spent our summer doing this, right? Our summer of Psalms as we see how in the Psalms, God's people, Israel, they feel the things, they express the things, they give it voice as they speak it to God. So first, you know, what Jesus does with grief, with differences in grief, it's what we do. It's that we feel it. The second is that we can live with this awareness of difference. We can know that we grieve differently. We grieve differently. To have our eyes and hearts open to how grief and grieving will be different, guaranteed. So that we can carry this understanding with tenderness into our seasons of grief or in how we walk alongside others in their grief. So that when they get remarried and we think it's too soon, or they seem like they've been in grief for too long, that we can step back and say, that's right. I don't need to judge their process, but recognize that they grieve differently than I do. Third and finally, really, here's, here's the big thing, the big one, when it comes to difference in grief. What we see Jesus in the Jesus story is that there is something that pulls us closer across the space between us as we grieve. And it is this. Jesus is in the remembering. Jesus is in our remembering. When we are in grief, the Jesus story invites us to remember, to name, to speak of, to tell the stories of those for whom we grieve, to say their name, to tell their stories. We see it in God's people Israel and how they would speak of God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, always remembering their people, right? They tell the stories every Passover of, the, of their ancestors in Egypt who followed God's leading from slavery into freedom, 
always naming and telling the stories of their beloveds. It is why we have a thing called All Saints Day, because no matter where we are in our grief, Jesus is in the remembering, there when we name them and tell their stories, bringing us together across our differences in grief. We experience this in the goodness that happens after someone dies in the stories that we share. It's like the best thing that happens after someone dies, how it brings us together, right? How we're like, oh, I will always remember the smell of grandma's house or how it always smelled like soap and freshly baked bread or grandpa was always wearing those slippers, wasn't he? Or remember how Aunt Jo would bring us a surprise every time she visited, We retell their accomplishments, we speak of their character and their wisdom, and yes, their idiosyncrasies too. And we're drawn together across the space between us in our grief. And yes, sometimes the remembering is messy and and painful too, in that our loved ones may have caused harm and chaos in our lives. And that is just a whole other level of grief, right? Yet even in that remembering, Jesus finds us in the remembering as we move through the grief into healing. What sacred space we discover in the times when we remember our dear ones in our grief. For Jesus is there. Which is what today is about. All Saints Day. And so I ask of you, dear friends, who do you remember today? Who are your saints? And when we say saint, it's a very like personal label that we get to ascribe to those who have formed us, shaped our character, influenced our faith, somehow shown us what love and life can be. There's a great little prayer from just Justin McRoberts in his latest book on the Lord's Prayer, accompanied by the artwork of Scott Erickson. Uh, we've read a lot of their stuff. And Justice says this, May I be surrounded by loved ones who remind me who I am when I forget. I will forget. May I be reminded, surrounded by loved ones who will remind me, yes. And uh, we just see this in this image here from Scott Erickson, how, man, our lives, man, those saints are those who remind us, right? Who relight in us the fire of who we are. Those are our saints. So who are those folks for you? And on All Saints Day, we specifically remember those who fit this description who have died, the saints who are physically gone from this world, especially those who have died recently. So when it comes to thinking of these saints, I want to offer us three ways to remember your saints today. So the first is this, and that's kind of for right now in this time of worship. You can do this during the song of response in a moment. So please go at that time to our bulletin page and type in the name of your saint or more than one if you have them. So there's a place there to just type them in and send them in and we'll receive those and then we will speak those names aloud during our prayer time. So you can do this again during the song of response in just a minute after the sermon so that our community can name and remember your saints. That's the first thing. Second, I invite you to tell someone about or talk with someone about your saint today. So you may feel like you are in a different place with grieving this loss no matter how long ago it was. But what might it happen if you reach out to speak about, to remember your saint with someone today? As you do, look and see how Jesus is in your remembering 
So make a plan for like talking over lunch with your family or making a FaceTime call with somebody today or posting about them on social media, remembering your saints. So try this out and be met in your grief by our God who is in the remembering, okay? That's number two. Number three, again, this All Saints Sunday is unlike any we have known. We are in collective grief, right? And when we are all grieving, we actually still have the capacity to see the grief in someone else. We can witness to each other's grief. And David Kessler says this is actually something that we need to do. We need to literally say the words, I see your grief. We need to say that. We need to be our sister's keeper, our brother's keeper. We have to witness to each other's grief. So this is a third thing. What might it look like for you to, uh, in your remembering today, to actually reach out to witness to someone else's grief? I see you. I know this is hard. I see the grief that you are carrying. I see the saints that are still with you. So that's the third thing. So all three, remember uh, to write down your saints. Uh, go to that bulletin page uh, so that we can pray for, name your saint. Plan to talk about or post about your saint. And then think about reaching out to someone else so that you can say, I see your grief too, okay? So how might you remember in these three ways? I want to name uh, one way in which the Salt House community, how we have witnessed to grief in our community. So one of our Salt House saints this year is Iris Louisa Wolf, born April 17th and who died August 13th, just under four months old, due to Kabuki syndrome, which include heart conditions and a cleft palate. And if you have been around since August, you know that we chose to create something beautiful together to honor and celebrate and grieve with Iris's family, Stephanie and Chris, her parents, as well as big brother Henry. Well, this week, that creation that we each did a piece to create, we f- it was finished and put together and it was presented to the Wolf family. And we filmed that moment and I am so blessed to share that moment with you now. All right, guys, so this is... <laughs> so we have so much love for your family and after, after Iris died, we... We just listened to what our community needed and there wasn't a memorial service or, you know, there, we just wanted something to do with the grief and the hope that we were holding for you and for your family. And so we uh, created something together for you guys to memorialize Iris, okay? So if you pull it up and then you can just pull it up and over and drop it. Ready? Ta-da! I brought you look at <laughs> What color are they? What do you see? So as you might gather, these are irises colored by our t- entire community, people of all ages. Um, just to honor Iris and to have uh, just something that captures what we hope that you would always know that Iris is with you and holding you in the embrace of God too. So Danny Dodge, the artist in our community, she took them all and she and her sister cut them all out and like arranged them. And then she used her own um, watercolor pens to like fill in the spaces between. So if you look, you can see all the layers of it when you lean in there, which is kind of cool. Um, Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's really beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you to everyone.
Stephanie and Chris expressed just such gratitude and tears as they could see how there were so many who loved Iris too. Uh, I think Henry saw it too, but I think he was also a little disappointed that the surprise that we brought wasn't a truck for him, but such is life as a three-year-old, so we completely understand. But thank you to every one of you who witnessed to the Wolf family's grief in creating something beautiful together. Isn't it gorgeous? So I have a few other shots of that, of it too. It's just such a profound sense of how Jesus is in the remembering of Iris through all of our efforts and expression. I mean, we see that. Thank you so much to our, our assembler, our artist, Danny Dodge, in our community. You can see how this is such a tangible example of what happens when we remember and witness to each other's grief. Beautiful, creative things happen. So thank you for this, my friends. So now the final, final word for us in our grief regarding our saints is a word about life after loss. Kate Bowler on her podcast, Everything Happens. Kate had Jan Richardson on the podcast this past week, and Jan is a pastor and writer whom I love. I actually read very frequently from her here, uh, from her book of blessings. uh, Jan lost her husband in 2013, so she knows loss intimately. So I commend the conversation, that interview on Everything Happens with Jan Richardson. Uh, But I just want to share, paraphrase a little bit, what Jan said at one point about life after loss. So this is what she says. There is no going back to what was. We can't go back to who we were. We have been forever changed by their life and, yes, also by their death. The grief is now part of who we are. But in it, there is the relentless invitation to live. We know it's God's desire for us. And that is the desire of our beloved, the one whom we have lost. They want us to live this life now and to let their love inspire us and inform us in how to continue to make a life in this world. I hear in Jan Richardson's words just the stubbornness to hang on to a newly forming life, even as we grieve, a life that is still chock full of love. The remembering is lived on in us as love. And All Saints Day reminds us of this love that is in us, the love that pulls us forward even as we grieve, to let the love inspire us, the life of the one we love inspire us. We see this here at Salt House. Uh, We've also let Iris Wolf's life and love inspire us to create something else that that will live beyond her and live on in our community. In her honor and memory, we're planting a memorial garden. Specifically, this will be a place to remember, name, speak of pregnancy, infant, and child loss. Forms of loss that rend us so deeply and yet often is not seen and known. So we're planting uh, this garden under the turquoise-colored cross that's on the south exterior end of our building. It's a small plot of land that we can expand a little bit as we need to. In some ways, it's a funny place to put a memorial garden. It's completely exposed to the sun. It's exposed to 80th Street. That's right there, like 15 feet away. And yet, doesn't this make it the right place for a memorial garden? Exposed, visible to the world that continues to move and zip past, even as we grieve. 
So this will be a garden of irises, so honoring Iris Wolf. And in the months to come, there are other pieces of this that we're going to continue to figure out and plan for the space. Like we know we want to have some type of small rocks that have the names etched into them of our little ones who have died. So their names are going to be there as a part of it. So we're still creating the vision, like the full picture of what it will be. And we need your help. Thank you to those who have already stepped forward into this process. In case you missed it, here are the ways that you can help. You can support financially uh, the purchasing of plants and stones and supplies for this little garden we're making. So you can go to our giving page on our website and make a note that this is for the memorial garden. Second, we are planting iris bulbs today. We have a sign-up uh, for 10-minute time slots for uh, kind of right after church through the afternoon. And this is for individuals or families to sign up together to plant in a social distanced way with our masks on. Uh, we'll link to that in the comments, but you can also find this event and the sign-up under our upcoming events on our website and in the, in the Salt House app. Many of you have uh, just so beautifully articulated how you've already signed up, you plan to come and plant today in honor of your own loss or in honor of another saint who has died. So thank you for your care and intention. Also, a huge shout out to Dave Dowling from our church council who has spearheaded much of the planning and ordering for the garden uh, just huge thanks to you, including Dave also talked to his brother, who's a landscape architect, so thanks to Dave for making this happen. Third, we want to know if you have experienced this kind of loss of a pregnancy, of an infant, of a child, and would like uh, for your young saint to be remembered as a part of this garden. And additionally, if you would like to help us as we continue to figure out what the vision is and figure out uh, what that's going to look like, we would love for you to shape what would be meaningful for you. So send us a message if you have a past or current loss that you're grieving and we'll include you in this process, okay? As we plant today, we're actually going to include in the soil the names of the saints that you submit today. So as you type in those saints on our bulletin page, we'll pray those names then in a few minutes. And then we'll also take that list and write them down on little slips of paper that will fold into the soil. So this garden will grow from the soil of our saints, which is just beautiful to consider. We'll dedicate the memorial garden then this spring when the flowers are in bloom and when we're finished with shaping what that space is. And in the years to come, there is such a profound sense that we know Jesus will be with us in the remembering, in our memorial garden. Yes? Yes. All right, friends. We are in this historical moment when we have lost so much. And we stop on this All Saints Day to name that in this space between us, in our grief, even where there are differences, we are drawn to God and one another when we let ourselves feel it and in how we share our remembering. For Jesus is there. And for this and for all of our saints, we say thanks be to God. Amen? Amen.